Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Push to Shout. I'm your host, Brutal Compowder. I'm Skippy Sigmatic. A.K.A. Commander of Hashtag Gamer Hey, that's slanderous. My lawyers have been talking to you. I t- asked you not to mention it over the podcast. Uh... Welcome to the show, folks. We got all kinds of stuff going on. GDC 2015 is in progress as we speak, as we broadcast to your tube live. Lots of engine announcements, a release date for Metal Gear Solid Five, virtual reality, big stuff. But before we get to that, Huge. how was your week, Skippy? Well, my week was all right. Uh, I played a little more, well, quite a bit more Mass Effect, streamed it, hitbox.tv slash the Skippy Sigmatic, because Skippy Sigmatic was taken. <laughs> um, uh, I really like that game way, way, way more than I thought I would like it. I, I just didn't expect to, uh, I expect maybe to enjoy it. Like, I don't know. I, every other Bioware game I've played was, has just kind of been like, eh, but this one, uh, it, there's a lot of care put into it and it's really obvious. I, I've gotten to the point where I've started, you know, going to planets and getting out in my little rover and stuff and driving around and discovering things. And that's way more interesting than I thought it would be. Like, from what I'd heard of it, I thought that it was like, here's an ice planet, and you can drive around on it and find stupid stuff. But it it feels like everything has a little bit of a story to it. It feels like there's actually a reason to go to planets and explore them. And I don't know, everything, everything that you do in the game feels like it has a purpose, or at least a it's going somewhere you know and and that's something that uh i don't see a whole lot of anymore and and also like so far at least every planet that i've been to has been different every uh i guess you'd call them like dungeons every like area has been very handcrafted it feels unique which uh, i was saying this on my stream i wish that like if game if a game like oblivion or skyrim or fallout did something like that if every single one of those dungeons was unique they're those would be very, very awesome game worlds to explore, but instead they're a little bit stale because they just kind of copy and paste little segments and they all look the same. Even the main mission dungeons in like Skyrim kind of look like all the other ones, which sucks. Uh, so it's it's refreshing. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to playing more of it, uh, even if the last five minutes are going to be disappointing. At least I know it's coming. Oh yeah, and Alrest just mentioned I... Uh, it, the the autosave feature in Mass Effect is not uh, intuitive. Like, it'll save before really long conversation dialogue trees, but not after them. So if you die after them, you have to go all the way back through, unless you remember to quick save. So I'm having to remember to quick save for the first time in like a decade, because the games these days usually don't that. make you do that. Yeah, good. Because it's, 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 it is... It has made some very frustrating moments, for sure. But uh, that's a minor complaint in the grand scheme of things. I'm I'm very happy happy with that game. How far in, uh, in it are you? I have gotten through the second like major plot area. Like it's like it's like a snowy planet with a a base that has been taken over by bugs. The rack. Um, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that one. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really cool. I, I really liked the design of the space station. Like they like shut down the heating system, so it was like full of snow, and uh, it was that was cool. I, it's that's a cool game. I I really like it way more than I thought I would. I don't know. I, I just had just it being Bioware and me never having 
enjoyed enough Bioware game. I just didn't expect much from it. And so it's, it's nice to have a game exceed my expectations for once. Um, I also thought I'd mention we played Quake Live right after our last podcast on the after show. Um, and I played a little bit more of that also, uh, like over the weekend, I think. And, uh, <laughs> I'm starting to remember, uh, like first person shooters first my first impression after playing Quake Live was like this is really refreshing you're you're moving very fast you have to lead your shots and it's fun and i do like that uh but it, it quickly reverts back to the whole my whole problem with like first person shoot like first person shooter arena games which is that it, if you get more than a few people in there it's just a clusterfuck and 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 you just die constantly and it's just how many kills can you get before you get blown up and uh, I, I, they've also changed that game in some ways that I'm not a big fan of, like loadouts and stuff, which is just whatever. Um, I don't have any strong feelings on Quake. I never really played it back when it was like I played it once at like a friend's house, and that's it. So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and rant about them ruining it or anything, but it is kind of disgusting that they introduce literal Call of Duty elements into into like a really classic first person shooter. Um. But yeah, that it, it's neat anyway. Oh, and uh, Unreal Tournament has like a free version now. I think it's been free for a while, actually. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to check that out maybe maybe pretty soon. Um, thought I'd mention it. Uh, what else did I do? I watched a... Uh, I've mentioned before on the podcast that uh, the, the Mythbusters guy, Jamie and Adam, uh, run a website called Tested that I like a lot. Um, or... In particular, I like the segments in which Adam uh, builds something and they kind of document him building it. Uh, it's surprising how interesting it can be just to watch a guy make a box <laughs> like out of wood. Um, and they edit it well and everything. So, but uh, he he built a replica of the he built a replica of the scale model of the maze in uh, the Shining, and uh, he he did it for like a traveling Kubrick museum. And they they made a really nice little, they made two nice little videos about him making it, and uh, it was really interesting. I I just I recommend it to anyone. I, th- I think it's it's just a nice little thing to watch. Uh, very casual. Uh, I, I I like them a lot. Um, also, and I guess we'll talk about this now. I guess uh, I watched House of Cards uh, all the way through <laughs> over the weekend. I binged it. Yeah. Okay. I'm, Did you? Uh, I'm only like three episodes in. Oh something. man. Well, we wouldn't talk about spoilers anyway. I don't think. But uh, I, 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 I liked it. It's not a very eventful season. I'll say that much right away. I won't spoil anything. But like, it's not nearly as scandalous or full of twists and turns as the rest of the seasons. It feels like it's. First of all, I, I don't, I don't think this will ruin it for anyone. This is kind of a fair warning to people. It does not end at the end of season three, which I kind of thought it might because the original House of Cards ends at the end of season three. Uh, but nope, it doesn't end. So don't expect conclusion because <laughs> that's kind of what I expected. I mean, it's so successful that I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I was afraid they would do this. And I think that they're going to try to milk it for all it's worth. And I hope it doesn't degrade on the quality of the show. I, I, I Season three was good. I liked it, but... Yeah, we'll see. Um, there's honestly that not that much to say about it, unfortunately. Uh, that's that would be my biggest criticism of it. it. 
Uh, I know you do. I saw your uh, tweets. Yeah, about it's it. not even that big a deal, but like, okay, so and this really isn't a spoiler. It's like the first few minutes of the first episode. Um, Frank Underwood's trying to get this plan passed called America Works, and the premise of the plan is to put every unemployed American to work. Ten, all ten million of them, and normally that wouldn't be a big deal unless. Like, because it's a show about politics, and this plan is important, and he bothers to explain the details of this plan. If you've taken, like, one high school economics class, you know how dumb that is. Like, there are all kinds of things wrong with it, but the most basic thing is that something called frictional unemployment is necessary for a healthy economy. Like, you don't want to get rid of that. That's when, you know, the interim periods when people are looking for better jobs. And that's actually a significant portion of that 10 million. So, I don't know. I mean, I get that it's nitpicking, but it's something that any, like, AP econ student in high school would know. And, you know, for a show about politics that bothers to agonize over details constantly, you know, the details have to make sense. Or at least more sense than that. But it's not yeah. too big a deal. I, I, uh, when I first heard the plan i my first thought was okay people are going to get the job and they're going to be terrible workers because they were literally given the job um which is a problem that we face now which is like when you force employment people don't it's when it's easy to be employed you don't have to prove yourself to be a good worker so you're not a good worker uh i thought that that would be something that gets brought up later in the show and it doesn't really it kind of hints at that but then it never really goes through with it um or what you mentioned like none of that is brought up and that doesn't bother me a whole lot though i i think that falls within like suspension of disbelief it's not it's it not a realistic to me, show because i mean i well, get that some crazy <laughs> no i get that but that's not something you learn in like college economics classes that's like day one of high school economics and you know it it bothers it bothers explaining all the details like if it kind of glossed over what the plan was and didn't spend too much time talking about it, I wouldn't care. But because it's a show about politics, even though it is kind of political fantasy and it bothers to try to explain the details to me, you know, like I kind of prefer interstellar when it kind of just in huge broad strokes glosses over the science. I probably prefer that because House of Cards really isn't about the details of the plans. It's about all the crazy political intrigue surrounding the plans, and maybe they'll move away from some of the more um, arduous details of the America Works plan as the season goes on, but they're just spending so much time on it. Yeah, it's kind of the core plot line in a lot of ways, that that, that whole America Works thing. But I, I, first of all, I didn't feel like they over-explained it. I didn't feel like they went into that much detail, really. They just kind of... He explained it to the extent that the, the plot needs it to be explained. And maybe that'll become more clear as it moves on. But Okay, do they, um, do they kind of move away from that kind of thing? They don't like, They don't dwell on it. I, they, okay. it. It is a central feature of the plot, but it's not something that like hinges on it being feasible, I don't think. And it... it it's just it's just what he chooses to run his campaign on later on, you know. Um, but that's good. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Just I I think that that's not. I th- first of all, I do think the show has bigger issues than that. Also, uh, oh, and, and if you had if you had issues with that particular unrealistic aspect, then there's one other thing that happens later on that 
it's just gonna piss you off very much i think i don't think it's happened yet for you but uh it happens pretty quickly um but i mean whatever i just don't take that show seriously enough to to care like if it was the wire that did something like that then i'd be annoyed because the wire feels very realistic it feels like they try to ground it in 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 a in a reality if not the reality of the world but like I don't know. There's, it's mostly just a. It's people have called House of Cards like a political soap opera, and and that is kind of what it is. I and I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's not that not, not that big of a deal. Right. Um, That's good. Yeah. If if they yeah if they focus on what the importance of getting it passed or not, and what that means to Frank Underwood, then that'll be better. Which seems to be the way it's going to go. So I'll stick yeah. with it. So is that it on your end or? Uh, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, yeah, House of Cards. That was some of my week. Just like a few episodes of it. I also watched Goodfellas for the first time, which was such a good movie. One and, of my favorites. Wow. I wish I'd seen that earlier. That was really good. Um, I don't really have too much to say about it, but it was just fantastic. Yeah. I, I watched it on the plane, um, you know, going back home for spring break. So, yeah, that was really good. It's just an example of a movie that has, like, all the... All the elements you need are very good. The, the acting, the writing, the directing, and it, it all just comes together in a perfect little package. Like it's just like if I if I were to choose the most, uh, I don't want to say typical. It's not a typical movie, but it's a movie movie. It's it doesn't try to be anything other than just it's an just, enjoyable it's just like movie. Really good. Yeah, and, it's not and, breaking I, new ground. Yeah, any of it's, it's not trying to yeah. be horribly unique or anything. It's it's telling kind of a gangster story that's been told before, but it it's I liked it more than the Godfather. It's just good. I haven't seen the Godfather trilogy. I mean, I've been meaning to watch it. Um, I think this was quite a bit better, actually. Yeah, as influential as the Godfather was, this is just a way more interesting movie to me. Yeah, I I I really love that movie um, a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much too much else to say about it. But um, I also saw Boyhood twice, and that was also really good. And really? Um, yeah, the classic meme that TV is kind of uh, latched onto is, "Did you know that Boyhood took twelve years to make?" Yeah, because you know that's the thing everybody talks about when they talk about Boyhood is because you know it did take twelve years to make, and no movies really do that have that much, you know, dedication to realism of the cast and everything. But um, I don't think, like, I, I really, really, really like that movie. It didn't feel like a novelty to me. Like, it used keeping the same cast to tremendous effect. It was really, really good. And um, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it because it's going to take a lot of work and I have an idea that I think might be funnier that would take less time for a video. But somewhere sitting over there, um, on my second viewing, I took about 14 pages of notes, and I was considering Damn. doing like a, a in-depth, lengthy review of it because I I thought it was f- fucking amazing, really really nice. Um, Birdman won Best Picture, and I really like that movie too. But I think Boyhood was just clearly better. One um, of I mean, there's so much to talk about. I don't want to spoil anything, but um, one of the things that I liked was that as you see him get older, you know, like when he's a teenager. Some of the things he's saying is, uh, you know, just really pretentious and something that like a teenager would say. Yeah. You know, making grand statements about uh, reality. He's got it all figured out. Yeah, it's just kind of, you know, makes you cringe a little bit. But then you can see him 
after that just get like a little bit more self-aware and grounded and it's just it's just so good to watch and um it it definitely avoids like plotty contrivances it's hyper realism completely it's nice it's all about little moments like if you like a really subtle if you like really subtle movies you'll love boyhood yeah, the the criticisms that I heard of it were not something that I felt like were fair. Uh, <laughs> one of them was like, well, there's not really a plot. And it's kind of like, that doesn't seem like that's the point of that movie at all. It's not trying to tell a story as much. Well, kind of a story, but not one with like a climax and stuff. You know, it's 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 just 12 years of yeah, someone's life. It is a movie completely about character development. And yeah. I don't think I've seen a movie with better character development, honestly. Um, to, and because it handles all of it really subtly and completely believably, like the the father character played by Ethan Hawke, just one of the things you notice through the course of the movie is that he starts out as kind of trying to be the dad, and he you know he's trying to seize little opportunities to make statements about life to his kids that it seems like he's kind of forcing, but then as it goes on, he does less of that, and he is just kind of becomes a dad and it isn't trying to make um you know grand statements about life or anything i don't know it's it's just so good it's honestly amazing have you ever seen or heard of hoop dreams no it is a documentary uh that took i want to say like four maybe i think four years to make um and it originally started out as like a little pbs it was gonna be like a 30 minute or 20 something minute pbs uh short documentary about uh just some some inner city kids i think in new york or maybe it was chicago i think it was chicago actually um learning to play basketball and being recruited by high school like private school teams and stuff which is apparently an actually pretty competitive thing like they actually go out and recruit and everything um and so it's these kids that are probably like 16 and uh and what ended up happening is after they spent some time with these kids and started making the documentary, they decided to go back a couple years later and then they kept coming back. They kept fil- filming them as they graduated high school and went into college and everything. And, uh, and, and it followed their, it was two, it, it follows two kids in particular and kind of their path to success in basketball. And, uh, and it's a documentary and, and, and it's, it's, it, it, it it's really neat. It just shows like, how things it's kind of depressing in some ways because it kind of shows like like one of them gets completely screwed over basically he gets injured at a really inopportune time and it ruins his recruiting chances at 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 college and he ends up having to go to like some middle of nowhere place and and uh the other one like everything's kind of being handed to him but it gets to his head and he gets kicked out of the school because he won't make his grades because he feels like he's too important to, to make grades and all that shit. And it, it just, it, it's really neat. I, I do highly recommend uh hoop dreams and it sounds kind of similar, except it's like the documentaries <laughs> version of that. It sounds like, so uh, that, that's a, just a cool thing. And I, I really like, I could talk about it for forever, but one thing that I really liked was that the kids, have real interests like you you see them watching dragon ball z playing on a game boy sp and playing halo 
and it's not like they're forced in. They're just the things that the kids do, and they have specific interests. They're not going to the theater to see some generic, you know, like sometimes in a movie, if kids are going to buy a book, it's like, you know, fantasy world generic title that's just kind of made to be a placeholder for stuff. These kids are specifically interested in Harry Potter. They play specific video games that actual kids play. The world feels completely real. It it's really really good. I but if I keep talking about it, I'll probably take away cuz the subtleties are where it's at. And so I I'd recommend everybody to see it. And when you do see it, really watch it carefully. Just pay close attention to everything and it'll you'll be rewarded for it. So that's what I got to say about boyhood. I've also written a uh, an article on push content out. for the site. Yeah, who'd have thought? Uh, it was called an exercise in games journalism, and uh, yeah, so you guys should go read that. You know, I asked some of the tough questions: Is Hideo Kojima a neo-Nazi sympathizer? Is Ben Kuchera a pedophile? Is Total Biscuit a sleeper agent for the Islamic State? All these questions and more will be asked but not necessarily answered on pushtoshout.net. So check that out. And that is my week. So let's move on to some news. And there is quite a bit of it. A lot of it has to do with game engines. I guess we can talk about Unreal 4 first. Yeah. Well, well, well GD, GDC is happening this week, and, and so there's a lot of big announcements in the development world of video games. And... uh yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, we'll start with Unreal Engine because that was. Well, I don't. Did that come before Unity, or I don't know which one was announced first? Um, Unity Five was announced, and that's going to be free. Uh, I don't know exactly what improvements it makes over the previous version. Do you have any idea? Uh, Unity Five. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't read too much of the technical specifications or anything, but just the screenshots look way better than anything that's in Unity now. I mean, I don't know. I don't know actually what the improvements are. I think a lot of it has to do with, like, lighting. And uh, they showed off lots of glass, something about how, like, the light reflects and bends with the glass or something. Um, but specifically, I don't I don't know what the big I, deal I hope is, they improve but I'm it pretty bit. sure there is a lot of changes. It, it needs to be improved quite a bit because the games that use Unity, you can tell that they're using Unity because it, it, it they're about I just want half them to run better. behind. Yeah, like, Unity too. games perform horribly. Yeah, Gone Home. I mean, um, one of the people who goes on our mumble frequently uh, was streaming it the other day, and I just remembered how for well, how that game looks and it's built in Unity, it runs like shit. You get like 30 frames per second. Or it says 60, but you can see it chopping. It's weird. Yeah, Unity yeah. was, at least, a really janky engine. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be improvements in that category. Yeah. Or what'll happen is it'll become completely obsolete because Unreal Engine 4 has been announced as being free to developers to a point. Uh, I think it's free up to... I think the cap was like... $3,000 of revenue. If your game makes more than $3,000... $3,000 per quarter. Per quarter? Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, you can make $2,999 every quarter forever yeah. and never pay. Uh, but if you make more than $3,000, there's a pretty reasonable, in my opinion, uh, 
royalty fee, which is five percent of 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 the uh, revenue, and that's probably kind of probably for most developers, like in the mid range of like successful video games, uh, that's probably a pretty reasonable price. But then once you start getting into like the triple A titles and stuff, they probably will still work their own deals with the with the company and 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 not be on a royalty system or I don't know they'll they'll figure something out. But uh, I, I think that's it's it's good just simply because oh, yeah. it'll 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 let smaller people use the use the uh, engine and not have to pay a, just a flat rate that's above what they can possibly make with the game. Um, yeah, and I I mean because we're industry outsiders we find out about all these engines at the same time but um they've probably been considering these different pricing models for a long time and the fact that unreal engine 4 unity 5 and we'll talk about source 2 in a little bit also but source 2 is also going to be free that like there's no way that didn't happen as not a result of the competition like as soon as one of them is going to go free the rest have to go free. Yeah, but it's it's really good for people who want to make or play games. Yep, competition is good. This is the result of it. Uh, the Source Two announcement, I think, was just a couple hours before we started this thing. Actually, uh, it's the first time I've heard about it, at least. And I, they have not announced anything about it. Actually, like they've just kind of announced that it exists, which was a little disappointing because everyone already knew it exists because there was a leaked screenshot of like a a souped up Left for Dead uh two level that uh was in some presentation or something and it was like very obviously the next source engine but there was no official announcement with it obviously but uh yeah they didn't release any screenshots they didn't release any information no pricing model or anything but uh, what we do know is that they claim it will be free i'm sure it'll be very similar to unreal s as where it's like if you make a certain amount of money then they ask for some sort of portion of the revenue but yeah it's it's awesome i'd really i'm really looking forward to source 2 because i think valve are really competent developers and the the amount of secrecy they they have behind their projects lends me to believe that they probably have something really interesting planned that isn't being done with the other engines but uh we'll see it's it's exciting and maybe they have a game to release with it but i'm starting to have my doubts <laughs> i mean well what we do know and again, they haven't announced any new games. New games. Uh, everyone wants Half-Life 3. That's all anyone would give a shit about. Um, they haven't announced anything like that. But Gabe said a few years ago that, you know, they've been waiting to release a potential new game. And again, he wouldn't actually specifically say Half-Life 3. But that they wouldn't release something like that until the release of their new engine. So... Nothing official, obviously. Of course not. Why would they, uh, you know, do anything as crazy as announcing a product? <laughs> but it shows that things are moving along. I think. Yeah, and I, I, I always this is this is the first official announcement of it. We knew it existed, but now they were ready to tell us. Yeah, and and logically, I think anyone who knows Valve knew that they weren't going to release Half Life Three until their next engine was was made and the next engine had to be a pretty significant step up because i feel like they want it to be the kind of step up from half-life one that half-life two was they want to do that again probably uh that's the only way that that they could kind of meet some of the hype at least is, is by providing an engine that's good enough to to match it but 
Well, so I, that'll be really interesting if they ever actually do come out with Half-Life 3, which I also have my doubts that it will ever happen. I don't think so. I don't think... I have no doubts at all that it will happen. I mean... We'll see. It's taken a long time, but he's actually said that the reason we haven't announced it is because we don't want to do it until we're ready. We don't want a development hell scenario. Yeah. I think it's coming. There's no way it's not in my mind. Uh, I have no hopes that it'll ever be soon, but... It's going to happen. To be honest, I was shocked just to see that Source 2 was coming this soon because it it, it seemed to me for the last couple of years, it has seemed to me that they've completely started focusing just on the distribution side of things on Steam, you know, and partnering with, with third-party developers to make, make their games. And like, like CSGO, you know, like it wasn't really a Valve game. Um, so I thought that there was going to be more of that stuff and that they were just going to focus on how to make money based on other people's work basically which there's nothing wrong with that but it would be disappointing because i do think that they're one of the best developers period i, I think they make fantastic yeah. stuff and i i, I want to see more of it um and I, I don't want it to be left for dead 3 please god i don't think that'll happen they i don't you know they already got enough shit for left for dead 2 <laughs> when yeah. it came out it, which wound up being a good game but yeah i i think it'll happen the real thing is that this is GDC, and um, there were some rumors that, oh, Valve's doing a press conference at uh, March 3rd, 3 p.m., 333, it's going to be Half-Life 3. This is a conference for developers. Um, it, it's not like a press event, really. It would be a lot of these are, a lot of these are closed to... doors events, and yeah. I think Valve's actually was a closed door thing. These are, um, these are meant to be topics and talks that developers will find interesting. That's the purpose of it. If anything, this might be going to just drum up some of the hype for a possible uh, announcement, cross fingers again, for the like eighth year in a row of uh, something at E3. The timing yeah, there, would be right. There, there wasn't going to be you know, a, a huge game announcement here. Yeah. Um, I, I, you're right, though. I mean, with the with the timing of them announcing that Source Two just exists, I imagine we'll get a little more information in the next few months, several months. Uh, and that means that if they are developing Half Life Three along with the new engine, that it'll be pretty soon to come. Like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be another four years if it's coming. You know. Yeah. Um. Speaking. Of which, this isn't really like a news story, but now that we're talking about development hell games. Um, we talked about The Last Guardian a little bit a few episodes ago, and I don't think we ever um, talked about the follow-up that Sony said. And it was basically that even though they lost the trademark, they didn't renew it, they confirmed that development is still going ahead under drastically different conditions. Yeah. So whatever that means, it's still going to happen apparently. So they they claimed that or someone claimed. I'm not sure if it was official or not, but I saw someone authoritatively claiming that the reason they hadn't renewed it was because they were going to wait for uh for it to be more of a set thing. Like it was more, like they they just didn't see the point in renewing it when they aren't planning on releasing the game very soon. I don't think that's true at all because you would still renew it. It doesn't cost that much to renew it and you don't want someone to literally steal your, or not literally, but figuratively steal your, your the name of your very popular uh, game coming out. But they're probably just going to change the change the name. They're, they're probably going to change the game significantly. It probably isn't going to resemble much of what it was, um, which could be a good or a bad thing. But I, I imagine that they won't call it The Last Guardian. 
Um, which would be a kind of a weird choice because there's a lot of cult following on that name now. Uh, you would think they'd kind of ride that wave, but I guess we'll so. See. I think people, you know, Duke Nukem Forever yeah. don't want people. Yeah, there's to, something that they're bad. very aware of development yeah. hell and what it does to people. Yeah, maybe they actually want to distance themselves as much as possible from that game. Uh, but yeah, good news for for people looking forward to that, which is pretty much everyone who's ever played Ico or Shadow of the Colossus. And that's um, a game. That's a game where it, you know, came at like a weird time. They were developing it, and it was clearly taking a long time. And then the PS4 came around and new hardware. Um, but speaking of PS4 new hardware, and this really isn't a major thing either, but um, Dark Souls 2 Scholar of the First Sins release on PS4 is in 1080p and 60 frames per second, while Bloodborne is not. It's 30 frames per second, which is kind of irritating to me. Because uh, I want Bloodborne a lot, but it's very irritating. Uh, I I don't know. I, I I'm glad that I am. I'm seeing more and more effort, at least, to make games 60 frames per second. I I care yeah. less about 1080p, although like I, I would rather have seven. About it. I would have I would rather have 720 and 60 than 1080 and 30. Um, uh, people are realizing more and more. I think that that's actually a priority, even if people. We've talked about it before. Even if yeah. even if the people playing the games don't realize that that's why they feel it's a smoother experience, it that there's a reason the Call of Duty developers place an emphasis on it, and it's not because I mean, ninety eight percent of the people playing Call of Duty have no idea what frames per second the game's running at. Um, yeah, but, but if you ask them, like, it why makes they a like difference. it, it just feels smooth, you know? Yeah, it's it makes a difference. Uh, so, I I do wish Bloodborne. I I don't care about the graphics and what like it could look just like Dark Souls and I'd be fine with it, you know. Same. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're calling it a new IP. If it means a Bloodborne sequel at some point, hopefully that'll be sixty. But I'm ever like since Dark Souls two, I'm not even would really be looking forward to a Bloodborne sequel, even if it was the yeah. second coming of Christ. Oh boy, but there's not much to say there. Bloodborne's coming out in. Uh, about 20 days now, 21 days, so there's really not going to be much more news until release. I've been steering clear of the uh, IGN, has been doing for a while, a few weeks now, these things called IGN First with Bloodborne, and they're basically just giving out so much information, like the first yeah. 18 minutes of gameplay, and um, like all these bosses, revealing so much, and like I get that it drums up hype and everything but of all the games to do that for it's so important to go into something like that with without having all of it spoiled for you that's kind of like 90 percent of the experience is is experiencing it for the first time and figuring it out and seeing just raw gameplay kind of sours that a lot yeah. I, I i i see that a lot with games like it's it's particularly bad in this instance because it's because of the the style of the game because of the way the gameplay works. But I I, I do get annoyed just regardless of what game it is. I, I get annoyed at like here's thirty minutes of gameplay and and I like surprise. I like not knowing what to expect. I I, I like uh, going in blind and and I 
there are hardly any developers that keep things close to the chest any, anymore, and uh, that's kind of sad. I, I, I Can you imagine how disappointing it would be, and this is possible, how disappointing it would be if Valve just started showing gameplay videos of Half-Life 3 like six months before it was going to be released? Like yeah. That would just be so disappointing because it would just take the air out of the entire... Oh, God, that would be horrible, and I'm, I, I could see it happening, but... I, I do think that Valve is probably going to rely on their uh, element of surprise, so we'll yeah. see. But um, what else? Oh, Final Fantasy fifteen. They released fifty minutes of Final Fantasy fifteen gameplay. Like, but it looked kind of cool. I've never played a Final Fantasy game, but um, it's not like there was anything crazy that they showed. But the world was just, like, so big, huge. Like, you could see massively off into the distance, and you don't really see that kind of weird, extremely action-y, flashy Japanese combat in huge open-world games. It's kind of yeah. cool. I, it's worth watching, or at least some of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. I kind of skipped around, but it's like you got a car, you get to drive on highways that are actually huge, like highways would be. Um, that might be the first Final Fantasy game I check out, and I know that I should play seven or whatever, but they just really never interested me until now. Yeah, I've never had any interest in Final Fantasy at all. Um, but I did, I did enjoy watching that <laughs> that car trailer, the first trailer they released for it, where they're like on a road trip and shit. It yeah. was so stupid, but it, that that trailer did imply that there would be this huge world with huge monsters and stuff. Um, it, it made me interested, and I, I, have, I haven't even heard that there was gameplay. I'm going to have to check that out. But, I've, yeah, I've never been interested in a yeah, uh, happened, Final like, Fantasy game. Yeah, I've never been interested in a Final Fantasy game, but that that alone, just that the style that they're going for as far as, like, the world and the size and everything it might make me at least slightly and interested. The combat, from what I could tell, I like, when I play RPGs, and JRPGs are Western ones that aren't, like, you know, action, real-time. Well, whatever. I like it to be either turn-based or real-time. Like, these weird hybrids, they just turn me off in a lot of ways. Like, if I could say one bad thing about Nino Kuni, it would be the combat system. That you kind of run around in real-time, but then you still kind of have to, like, um, go through these menus, and it's just annoying. But from what I could tell... Final Fantasy 15 is mostly real time. There's probably going to be cooldowns, but they were actively avoiding attacks, and it didn't seem to be like pretend avoid. Like you know how you can in some uh, some of these RPGs, Morrowind is one, and then it happens a bit in Oblivion and Skyrim too, where you can still kind of be moving, but if they cast something, it just seems to hit you anyway. Yeah, it homes yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem to be much of that going on. I saw them mostly fighting like these mammothy horned things that attacked physically, but they were avoiding attacks and jumping around. So it looked pretty cool. I'm gonna check it out. I think I wasn't excited for it until now. Yeah, that's my biggest criticism with Mass Effect is the way the combat is like it's real time, but it's like they've they've taken like a turn-based approach with it except in real time and and they don't expect you to really aim just aim in the direction that you want to shoot and mm. uh, it's hard to know what the rules are you know like is this cover actually going to protect me from anything or does it does it matter that i have this cover if i cast a, a spell or whatever it's called ability uh 
and they run behind a pillar before it activates, you know, it takes like a second to charge up. Does that mean that they're going to dodge it or not? And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's just completely, it's hard to understand and it's not Spotty. very fun. It's not, yeah. it's just not fun. I, 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 that's my biggest criticism of it, but, uh, yeah. but it doesn't ruin it. I, I, I expected it to be bad and it's not, it's not that bad. So the only time that I've really liked a combat system like that was a uh, chrono trigger. Cause it, it basically just, it's not quite real time, but it, you still kind of take turns and, um, there's like cooldowns on doing anything for each member of your party. And it can create some cool little stressful situations, but it, it, it works well enough and you don't feel like it ever like punishes you for yeah. having to fiddle through the menus. Cause the menus are really, really simple. Um, but I yeah. do like I do like games that let you pause to 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 like figure out like okay what's my next step and like it's really easy to pause and unpause and and do things while you're paused like send orders and stuff like that that's a uh, Mass Effect's pretty good about that and uh, and Faster Than Light FTL is well, is really good about that I I like that too but it it usually is best the, the games that let you pause and consider your next move as much as you want to if you actually can make really substantive yeah. strategic decisions yeah. during that time. Like something like Chrono Trigger, there's a mode where you can turn that um that active system off. But when you do that, you start to realize like, oh, well, it's my turn, but I really can't affect the outcome at this point anymore. And that's true of a lot of JRPGs, which, you know, all you can really do is like attack or defend or, you know, some limited skill use. And a lot of times it doesn't even matter what choice you make at that point. Like you're either going to die because you have not enough health even if you defend. You know, stuff like that, an active system makes you not get frustrated there because then it, it's just kind of over then. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, It's like the Final Fantasy thirteen gameplay I saw. Just <laughs> I had no interest in ever touching that because it, it just looked weird. I didn't understand it. This looks quite a bit simpler. I'm kind of excited for it. Yep. Hopefully it'll be cool. Um I I wanna I wanna mention the last bit of GDC news we have we have down here, which is uh pretty significant. Oh yeah. Um HTC, which is the manufacturer of my phone. Um I, I what I don't think anyone was expecting this. It's kinda weird. HTC partnered with Valve apparently to create another virtual reality headset to compete with like the two or three other ones that are going to be coming out pretty soon. Um, it it is it does seem like they're trying to do something a little different with it. In particular, that they're kind of making it where I think you're, the idea is you're supposed to be like standing up with it, like you're supposed to be able to basically move around, like crouch and 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 walk around even a little bit, uh, like in your living room or something with it, which is interesting not something that i am personally interested in but it's a cool technology and it would probably be really cool to experience too um because one of the biggest criticisms of like oculus rift is you don't get that feeling of like crouching and stuff like like when you move your head in the x y and z directions it doesn't it doesn't really react and that that takes you out of the immersion so being able to react to that would be probably really cool yeah i mean walking around isn't something that i want to be doing while i'm playing you know yeah video game but it's the same same thing as it, like Kinect. it might be like you don't want to do that it might be nice if it's just like little subtle things like if you're playing a first person shooter and you just want to barely peek over something yeah head a bit up that might that might be kind of cool and um 
I have two things to say about this. The one is that I'm glad that they're teaming up with somebody who actually makes hardware as their primary, you know, business. Yeah. Because when uh, Steam Valve, when they first announced their Steam universe of the Steam boxes and, you know, the controllers, I'm like, okay, well, they maybe can do it. They probably can. They've got the money. They're a good company. But this isn't what they do. And it might be kind of dicey for them to break into the hardware business so for something as important as you know really strong hardware like a vr device it's a good thing to me that they're they're teaming up with somebody who lives and breathes hardware and also as far as something like half-life 3 goes you mentioned that um people would probably if they were to make a half-life 3 they would want it to be as significant a step up as half-life 2 was for half-life 1 some kind of really strong VR support might be what could do that. Like if Half-Life 3 used VR in a way that felt perfectly natural and wasn't gimmicky and was just some huge enhancement to the experience, that would be, it seems that that would be in line with that kind of dramatic upgrade that Valve is probably wanting to do. Definitely. And it's also, Valve is also always been interested in that like they've always been the first ones to jump on officially um uh making their hard or their software compatible with these very experimental hardware like the uh what was it called the novant falcon novant falcon like it, it was a failure but valve gave it their heart their, their their biggest try and like it, it they, they really implemented it well where like it the, the gun actually moves on the screen and stuff and they were one of the first ones to to officially do Oculus Rift too, um, so uh, the fact that it's just the perfect company to be doing that, and and HTC they they make phones, but like they they make a pretty solid good product. I, I like my phone; it's got some software issues, but that might be more Android's fault than HTC's. Um, but it, it, I I think Valve's really smart when it comes to this stuff. They're good at hiring people who know what they're doing. Um, I, I saw uh, Gabe Newell do a uh, question and answer one time, and one of the questions was, "I'm starting up a company, and I just need general advice on how to uh, build it. Uh, you know, who do I hire? Like, how do I build my employee base to 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 be you know successful? I know that you that because Valve is known for doing that flat structure where it's not really management oriented, and Gabe's answer was." be diligent about firing people, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I think it shows a, a priority on having a really, really, really competent workforce who knows what they're doing and is willing to step up. And uh, I don't know. I have a lot of confidence in them. And even even with the Steam controller and stuff, I feel like they probably do know what they're doing. And, and uh, I think they're planning on showing some more of the Steam controller also, I, uh, maybe at GDC, probably at GDC. Like, nobody has better talent than Valve. Like, yeah. they, you know how they hired that economist a while back when, when the Steam market was yeah. going to be <laughs> big and other items? And so they hired an economist to kind of make sense of this market and look at the data and stuff. So he left Valve, and now he's the finance minister of Greece, <laughs> which is, he, he was brought in to save one of the most troubled economies on planet Earth. And he was at fucking Valve analyzing yep. hat data and csgo keys and they have money to spend too they can pay their people that's for sure so i i like the way that they run their business um a lot i i 
I, I, I'm really looking forward to to seeing him do this stuff. There, it, it, it's it's for the first time in like a, like two or three years, it actually feels like they're actually doing something because like the Steam box and stuff like that, it's all fizzled out, and there hasn't been even any really game development or anything. And now it actually feels like they're planning big stuff, which is refreshing. Um, now, um, let's see. Do we want to talk about Metal Gear? Well, I want to mention. I do want to mention real quick. The, have you seen the specs for this this headset? Um, I've seen a picture. I've seen two cameras on the front that can take stereoscopic yeah. pictures. This thing's going to be expensive. There's no way they can get... The device has a 1200 by 1800 pixel screen in front of each eye with refresh rates of 90 frames per second. Hmm. And when it's coupled with a pair of Steam VR base stations in spaces up to 15 feet by 15 feet, the device will be able to track your movement. Um, this thing's going to be like uh, they're they're going for a niche market here because this is going to be like I think they're going to be they they want to be like the highest quality virtual reality out there. Um, I, I'm I'm interested to see what price it'll be because it sounds expensive as hell, especially with like cameras in front of it and all that stuff, and probably integrated software. It's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how they price it too. Um, I mean, they probably will want to target the more, I guess, premium market than Oculus is. Um, they also have a lot of uh, credibility that Oculus doesn't anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the physical hardware changes based on the company behind it. But, I mean, in a vacuum, if you're making a decision for a VR device... Put put forth by Valve or a VR device put forth by Facebook. <laughs> like, what yeah. do you pick? And it seems like Valve is being more realistic about the implementation of it, about what it'll work with. They mentioned movies in the announcement. Like, I don't know if you saw like the video trailer for it or whatever. They mentioned movies, but it seems very clear that their their main focus is going to be video games, which is the this is the thing that it most obviously is going to work with. Like Microsoft releases their virtual reality thing. It's like, look, you can model with it and stuff like that. And it's just, I, I am very skeptical of that. And then Facebook buys Oculus. Navigate and your like, Minecraft map. And every, when Facebook bought Oculus, all these like, all these financial bloggers were coming out and saying, imagine the possibilities of navigating Facebook in virtual reality. I'm, nobody <laughs> wants that. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, so it's, 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 it's nice to see them. They seem grounded they seem like they know their market and they, they're trying to build a device specifically for that purpose. Um, and truthfully, very important. Truthfully, I don't think Facebook is going to mishandle Oculus. I think that's, they're just going into a completely new market there. I don't think they're going to be overbearing about social media integration. I, I, I think they're, they know what it's meant to be, but at the same time, that doesn't matter. Like even if yeah. they might handle it well, the fact that it's Facebook is going to yeah. turn a lot of people off. It's and and we'll see because there hasn't been really much information coming out of that, like how Facebook is handling that. So mm. I don't know what to what to really expect there. But uh, but yeah, uh, your solid five. Uh, yeah. So so we know now that it's going to be coming out worldwide on September first, two thousand fifteen, which is great. But I I thought. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this just leaked or something. I, but I saw Kojima mention it, so it can't be a leak. Um, there's still the countdown. Ten hours from now, they're making a significant announcement. And that was supposed to happen on March 4th, and it's the 3rd today. 
So as far as I can tell, there's going to be another announcement. I but I'm not sure. I think that there's going to be more with the. I think the announcement was supposed to be the release date and it was leaked. And I think maybe Kojima mentioned it because it was after it had been leaked and they've just said, "Ah, screw it." Uh, that was that was my impression of it. I haven't like read any articles about it or anything, but it, I I just heard that it was September first. I I think it was leaked and maybe they've officially. Well, that's what I thought, but when I was looking for it, nobody said like leak when they were talking about it. Maybe I didn't I look hard I enough, leak. and maybe people know. in the chat can set us straight. But yeah, um, that's re- earlier than I thought it was going to be. Th- same. I thought it would be late November. Um, for sure, actually, I thought it was going to be late November. Like that was set in my head. Um, but uh, it, yeah, that it's exciting. And uh, have you visited the website of the big announcement? I have with the Psycho Watch timer. Yeah did you did you use the uh, Phantom cigar? No, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, it has a Phantom cigar button that you can push and speed up the timer, and then it and then it and stops. then it says it. Oh, no, it, it stops. It, <laughs> Ah, <laughs> it stops and that's, says like you cannot cute. use this feature or whatever, and like it, it, it's 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 such a Metal Gear Solid thing to do in just in their little promotional website. It's I I really loved that. It that alone, that tiny little thing, made me really hyped for the game because it's like it, I it, that is classic Kojima, just like fucking with you for no reason whatsoever, and it I doesn't just, like. <laughs> I just checked um this article. It, it was a leak. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's I, fine. I, I, I mean, think I don't want to. I don't want to know too much more about the game anyway. Yeah. At this point, I think the announcement is going to be more than just the release date because they're making kind of a big deal out of it, and you wouldn't make that yeah. big of a deal out of a release date. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't want them to release too much about it because, like, I, I that's that's another one where I really want to go in fresh. They've already released a lot of gameplay footage of it, frankly. Um, but so at least at least there, like with Kojima, I kind of know. That he has always cared about playing with expectations and everything. Yeah. I feel like he's careful about what he shows us. And that even if you consumed every piece of everything that they released, you would still be meaningfully surprised by so much in the Phantom Pain. With the way From handles stuff and the way they've done business with Dark Souls 2 and the DLC and the Bloodborne first looks, and I don't think they give a shit. So I'm just going to avoid that because even though creatively they've got it together, I don't trust them not to spoil the experience. They, they have a marketing team that's working completely outside of their, you know, internal affairs. And, and so I, that's, that's the opposite of how Kojima obviously wants to do things and has done which things is, in the past. Which is really weird. Um, not that, uh, not that Kojima does it that way, but it's weird that From does it that way because even though the marketing team is outside the creative team, the director of the game is the president of the company. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't have time to deal with that. And other people are making those decisions, but it's, you know, who knows? It's, 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 it's just a different philosophy. It's just kind of like, well, these guys know what they're doing. They know how to market the game and they might be right too. They might, they might be right that it's, it's going to make them a lot more money to market the game in a more classical way than someone like Kojima, who frankly, Kojima has far more, of an already established fan base, I think, than than Bloodborne. Um, Absolutely. So, so he, Kojima can get away with things that I don't think that they would be able to get away with, or or they wouldn't be as successful for doing those same things. Um, it's 
it, well, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I do look for. I am looking forward to seeing what the announcement is, just because I do think that every little information that, like, bit of information that comes out, you have to expect it to be intentionally misleading in some way. Like Kojima, for the past several months, has been releasing screenshots of Snake <laughs> sitting in a helicopter and. I've start. I'm convinced. Maybe I'm just. Maybe I'm just going crazy because I see it every day. But I'm convinced that there's something behind it, like that he's trying to do something with it. Because there's no reason for him to to take a picture of Snake in a helicopter every single day and say like, "Look, his his horn has blood on it." Like it, it it's just totally bizarre. Um, I mean that is Kojima, but the also, most significant you, announcement we've had in months. You need to, because it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. The most significant <laughs> announcement we've had in months was the chicken hat. Yeah, which is great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, fucking Kojima. All right, all right. So, what else we got to talk about? Um, I have a piece of news that I'm not very knowledgeable about. Maybe Chat can help me out. Uh, someone mentioned to me uh, on Twitter a couple hours ago something about Brianna Wu's uh, echo chamber imploding. And I was like, what the hell are they talking about? I look her up. She, uh, our favorite, our favorite internet celebrity, Brianna Wu, oh, yeah. has, uh, has met with the enemy. Had literally had coffee with, with, with the enemy. Um, I saw of, that. I saw somebody tweeting about that. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can keep talking about it. I, well, I'm not super familiar with who that enemy is exactly because I don't pay attention to that shit. But, uh, I was reading through some of people's reactions to this happening and it is, it is always funny to me when the 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 upholders of justice on the internet start turning against each other and start pointing fingers at each other. That is the funniest thing in the world to me, and it is exactly what's happened. I mean, nobody nobody is in agreement about this thing because, like, some people are saying, "Well, you're just harassing her," which is exactly what 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 you've been campaigning against this whole time. And then some people are saying, like. There's no excuse for meeting with the enemy like this. And I mean, it's just, it just, it, it draws attention to the fact that, that, that the anti gamer gate brigade is just totally. The ironic up. thing is that, um, Mark Kern, who was the, um, team lead on Vanilla World of Warcraft, he's kind of been exploding on Twitter because he's taken on games media pretty yeah. aggressively, like yeah. really aggressively. Um, not really tweeting with the Gamergate hashtag, but calling out Ben Kachera and, but he's still been asking to like talk with people that disagree with him. And then he like met with, he met with somebody at GDC, um, who's been publicly disagreeing and they talked and then they tweeted about it and it was friendly. And I, I nobody's been shitting on him for doing that. It, it's just a difference in attitude. It seems like. Yeah, like we nobody cares if he talks to the enemy because I, I mean it's maybe it's overly simplistic, but I think there's just drastically different views, and one is way more open to honest discussion. Yeah, and we we also have to keep in mind that the people who are still going on about this shit, the people who still really care about it on both sides, are the people who are just totally fanatic about it. Like, like this is this is what they do every day and this is how they keep themselves entertained so you're getting the worst of it i uh, for the most part i mean i know i've seen some of 
Mark Kern, that's his name, Mark Kern. Yeah. Um, I've seen some of his tweets and it, he specifically has been trying to distance himself from Gamergate and, and he's being attacked constantly by anti Gamergate for, for, for being Gamergate, but not really, you know? Um, and, it's what? Just, identify the way we yeah that seems people like d- for people who claim to be inclusive of all kinds of gender and racial identities telling someone to identify yeah. in a certain way is you have to be with to us or against us like it has to be one or the other and uh, god damn it's just so tiring but it's it's also hilarious to just watch um i it, you need to look up Brianna Wu on on Twitter and just see what people are saying about her because there's one tweet in particular that 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 exploded a little bit it was some anti gamergator who came out and said well at least now we don't have to pretend to like her game anymore <laughs> they, they posted a screenshot of her game and said look at this shit good <laughs> finally like, i mean you could love her as a person too which would be insane but i mean that is horrible. Revolution yeah. 60. And actually, she released... Um, this wasn't really recent. It might have been this week, though. Um, she released a screenshot. As you may know, um, she's releasing Revolution 60, which was a mobile game. She's releasing it on PC. It was greenlit on Steam. And um, she, she promised to address some concerns people had with the way her characters were modeled. Um, yes. One thing people said was that it was very unrealistic figures, which is the least of those character models' problems. The real problem is that they look like um, some twelve-year-old deviant art garbage that you would see. Well, people didn't she, like that they had big boobs. Yeah. Well, and the waist too. It's like wow. It's you know. It's, it's unrealistic standards. Like yeah. And so that she released that, again. Again, it's people turning against each other even though they're on the same side. Like, you're not progressive enough. And you need to change your ways because you're on our side, but you're not on our side enough. Stop making women with big boobs because that's that's sexist. And it's like you're accusing Brianna Wu of being sexist. (laughs) And so she released um, a work in progress for new 3D models the PC version of Revolution 60. And the way she was talking about it, she was so proud of, of this garbage. And it, it looks basically exactly the same, but the boobs are a little smaller, the waist is a little wider, and the hips are a little narrower. That's it. It looks basically the same. And um, She poured me, her heart into that update. I, how geez, dare you? It, it's really bad. How um, dare you? But the funny thing is, and let me find this these pictures. This was so funny <laughs> when Veselikov tweeted it uh, to us. So um, <laughs> Brianna Wu said, I'm not going to get into a thing with Mark Curran. We had a good talk on the phone the other day, and honestly, I'm on hell schedule for GDC. I'm really disappointed in his recent statements. I think there's a lot he's too privileged to understand yes. and never will. And Mark Kern tweeted in a not as like a reply this is just something he tweeted before i am half asian grew up overseas and have been so poor in the philippines that i lived off donated food infested with ants brianna Wu says when i was 20 my parents handed me two hundred thousand dollars to start an animation business i learned more from that experience than anything in college my parents are millionaire entrepreneurs (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. I think being in that class growing up affected me more than college. Um, just, wow. And that was $200,000. For $200,000, she couldn't, like, just hire somebody to woman. make something better? That poor woman. Yeah, like, the matter of privilege aside, I mean, clearly she's more privileged than Mark Kern was, um, assuming that, you know, both of them are telling the truth, which I, I believe. Um, but, like, wow, for $200,000, games thousands of times better have been made for no budget, much less 200000 Like, that, that's huge. To make an animation company that... As far as I know, didn't pan out. Didn't actually like make one anything. Pilot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good for her. Well, um, but <laughs> I mean, I guess I, st- I haven't changed my mind that she's, uh, you know, an opportunist because she clearly is. But at least she's maybe she's seeing the end of how far she can ride this anti-gamergate harassment train and is now trying to legitimize herself as a developer because you can't sustain this kind of rhetoric over long periods of time yeah otherwise people will stop taking you seriously before even this this coffee meeting with the enemy ordeal people were distancing themselves from her they've been doing it for a while because she's just obviously so out there and and impossible to <laughs> it's impossible to defend her for 90% of the things she says uh so yeah i i, I the, the 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 best thing that i can say about anti gamergate is that it seems like uh it seems like they they they're trying to brand themselves as being more reasonable than than some of the people who were originally leading the movement if you will um so whatever Fuck yeah. all those people. It's exhausting. All of it is. Yep. But at the uh, same time, like, it's equally shitty. Maybe more so to just... Who cares? Like, why, what? Why, why, who cares? Just, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend not to care about these people uh, actively trying to just, like, dismantle some of the things I love about my, the hobby that I spend my, most of my time, you know, <laughs> paying attention to, like, I, I can't, I can't act like I don't care that these people exist and that they're saying what they're saying. Like, obviously I do care. And, and it's not just about, yeah. it's not, I don't, I don't, I don't care that much about like, like the ethics and journalism thing. Like the, the whole joke, it's about ethics and journalism. I do care about, <laughs> about how fucking horrible all these game journalists are. I care a lot because I'm, I'm I'm the one reading these things and 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 seeing just how ridiculous these people can act and completely get away with it and act like they're professionals. It's unbelievable. Lee Alexander. I mean, Jesus Christ! The you fact that these people it. are listened to. It's Gonzo journalism. You yeah. just don't get it. Yeah. You know, um, Hunter S. Thompson was a creative writer of nonfiction. That means I get to shit out whatever garbage i want and call it journalism yeah it's like i i I can make fun of it because in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter it really doesn't but i i can't act like it doesn't bother yeah like we don't walk up to people's houses together (laughs) in white button-down shirts and black ties uh with um the gamergate ops manual in our hands and knock on the door and say have you have you heard about gamergate um 
we don't do that in real life because we know it doesn't matter in the real world. But, you know, as far as Brutalcom Powder and Skippy Sigmatic are concerned, those little identities that are in the game world bubble, that stuff does matter in, in that, you know, sphere. Of, of course it's not, you know, doesn't matter in the real world, but in game land, in this little... It's, I mean, it's what we spend our time doing. We read these sphere of priorities. And, it matters. Yeah. Um, so it, I, 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 I think it, I think that people who spend every, you know, every day, spend hours every day talking on forums about Gamergate and shit and, and, and creating these, uh, the, the whole idea of Gamergate being a movement was, was silly and stupid, but there's a reason it's happening and, and I can't act like it's, I don't care about it even if I don't want to, campaign behind it because it's not that big of a deal it's still like it's still something that i care about and i'm not going to act like it's uh, it's not well of course it's something you care about you are its commander oh of course yeah uh again (laughs) my lawyers my lawyers told you about this don't 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 feed this rhetoric i i've already gotten thousands of death threats from anti-gamergate uh i'm i had to board up my windows today so it, it was fun to write that article, just like aggressively trying to take quotes out of context as much as you possibly could. I enjoyed it. I liked the apology, too. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, medium.com. It's it's not even, like, a bad site. It's just kind of like wordpress.com, not wordpress.org. That's the, the foundation that makes the WordPress software that anybody can use on their website. But you can host your own blog on wordpress.com and medium com kind of works the same way that anybody can just kind of put up articles and essays and pieces but it uses like this really kind of 2015 kind of design where it's like sleek minimalist uh clean indies <laughs> like everything's just kind of stark white little parallax scrolling it's been um, happening for a while now i'm getting really tired of graphic designers their their heads are so far up their asses and it's getting out of hand and uh, you see it everywhere now you see the the obsession with everything being a box like like i'm i'm talking about like software everything has to be a box and has to be big and 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 minimalist and and it's not intuitive it doesn't work well because like fucking windows 8 is the prime example of just like finding a program in this big conglomerate of boxes of different sizes and colors is just well, yeah but there's, put it in there's times, order and I'll there's times it. when it's appropriate you know on these things phones exactly. and tablets but, but everyone tries to emulate those that's because ridiculous. your input device is a you know is a blunt piece of meat like <laughs> yeah but but if your if your input device is a single pixel then i don't know it's people trying to just commute these design philosophies, even when it might not necessarily be appropriate for the functionality. Anyway, you're the host. What do we do next? <laughs> well, we can probably start turning it over to chat questions or chat bitching or chat whatever the chat wants to do. Um, while we wait on some of that, we can probably just start troweling through. I can other talk about. Things. I can talk about wrestling. Okay, um, <laughs> you can go ahead 
And maybe I, I, the chat will suggest something quickly to to end it. I mentioned last night to you, actually. You were streaming last night, and I mentioned... Uh, y- y- y'all were talking about, I think, Donkey Kong using a banana peel in combat in uh, in the... Uh, in Mario, Super Mario, uh, fuck, what's it called? Oh, um, Project M. <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Project M. My bad. Diddy Kong. Um, he throws the banana. He throws a banana, and I and and y'all are saying like, yeah, what, what if someone in real life were to do that in an actual like? And I I had to come on and mention that I had watched a Japanese wrestling match last week in which uh, one of the wrestlers gave a presentation before the match in which he explained that he was going to use a a banana to defeat his opponent, and uh, sure enough. They were wrestling, and he pulls a banana out of his his wrestling outfit, and uh, he's on the phone. I mean, he's on the on the phone. He's on the ground in pain. Uh, he puts the banana peel on his face because he knows that the the the, <laughs> the opponent is going to curb stomp his head. <laughs> and when the oppo- opponent goes for the curb stomp, he slips and falls, and he goes for the pin on the guy, but the guy kicks out of it. Well, later on in the uh, match. Um, the uh, they're in the middle of a wrestling ma- move. Uh, one of them is grabbing the other, and, and he's going to throw him across the ring or something like that. They stop. They pause, and they're both frozen in place. And the ref is frozen in place, and the lights dim, and and slow music starts playing, <laughs> kind of sad music, and it goes into an internal monologue of one of the wrestlers of the, the I think of the wrestler with the banana. Um, it, he he does an internal monologue, and I think there was a video up on the video screen and everything. And they're just sitting there paused. But he takes advantage of the moment because he, he winks at his manager who's ringside with more bananas. Uh, so while he's doing his internal monologue, he's setting up his plan to use more bananas. Uh, in the end, though, spoilers, he lost uh, uh, after after wrestling in slow motion while the music and monologue still went. They, they started wrestling in slow motion and the ref was moving in slow motion and everything. It was it was an experience. Japanese wrestling is a uh, it's a thing. Well, um, yeah, actually that, even though, you know, people <laughs> complain about when you talk about wrestling, that's actually kind of funny. I, um, I, I did. I liked that quite a bit and I thought that, yeah. that people would appreciate that is good. the absurdity of pausing a match and having an internal monologue. <laughs> um, so and taking advantage of the internal monologue to plan, to scheme. <laughs> so Alarestis mentioned, um, the the new Shovel Knight thing, uh, Shovel Knight Plague of Shadows. Uh, it's like an expansion for for Shovel Knight, and it's going to be free, which is awesome. And it it basically you play as Plague Knight, who is one of the bosses in um in Shovel Knight. Um, he's one of the more fun bosses actually. And from what I can tell, he's got like lots of projectiles and um, ranged combat, which is pretty interesting actually. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be free. Which you know, th- thank thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. I hated the plague knight. I had a lot of trouble with him actually. Um, good good. Yeah. But I don't know, think I used enough magic. Oh yeah yeah. For like a while at first, I w- I was not using magic basically. I didn't at know all. how for like probably the first couple of. Yeah, it's like for, for how you did it in Castlevania, the early Castlevania games. Um. But yeah, it's really nice that that's going to be free. I really appreciate that. Um, I I already own the game, so it's not like I can give them more money now. But maybe cool it's, it'll just entice people to to buy it if they hadn't bought it before. That's cool. And it, lots of games and 
lots of games are using plague knights now and plague doctors you know bloodborne this um darkest dungeon has like a plague doctor that's a significant class in it and they all look almost exactly the same like the way that plague knight looks is basically exactly the same as the way um as the way the plague doctor looks in darkest dungeon which is almost exactly the way it looks in bloodborne because it's got you know that classic plague doctor beak yeah um it's the next zombie (laughs) well um (laughs) i wasn't prepared to imagine that uh yeah, you're gonna get Call hell. of Duty games with. But think, I I don't think it'll be like that, and I don't think you do either. You're just joking, but <laughs> um, hope. that's scary. No, I don't. Th- I know. I don't. I don't here's happen. here's the really scary thought. I don't think zombies are going anywhere. I I think we're stuck with them for a while. Yeah, I I think it's going to be at least like another ten. Oh God, I hope not. Ten <laughs> years. Could easily. Um, but at least I don't see it being any fewer than five five years yeah yep um well i didn't want to think about that h1z1 something happened i just saw it in a headline but i didn't care enough to actually look at it i don't know why people care about h1z I, i'm still i i'm shocked that games like that are still blowing up i is, guess did that just, go free to play yet i don't think so or is it I, still I, early it's access? still like yeah it's still early access like it hasn't even been released so they're gonna have to release it and then a few months later, they'll maybe go free to play, but it's it's definitely set up for free free to play. No no doubt about it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it won't go free to play because it already has microtransactions in it. It already has the thing where you can buy uh, supply drops, and the whole controversy was that they promised it wouldn't have exactly that. So whatever. Um, that's a weird game. That's some stupid stuff. But we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um. Let's see else i guess we can talk a little more about what uh free game engines would mean for development because we only talked about that for a little bit because we were trying to like talk about um we were trying to talk about unity 5 unreal 4 and source 2 kind of all at once but it's it's worth talking about more i think because engines that are that professional quality unreal 4 and source 2 especially i mean that's kind of unprecedented. You will probably see production values for indies just being way, way better, which is yeah. exciting. Well, it's a reflection of... It's interesting because it's a reflection of how the game industry is moving, which is towards smaller games for lower prices, um, usually built by smaller teams. And it's it's interesting that as we get more and more capable to make these grandiose games... Uh, they're becoming maybe not less popular, but um, they're they're being overshadowed by just the really fantastic ten twenty dollar uh, indie games that are coming out, and the the console manufacturers realized that, which is why out of the gate they had all this support for for uh, indie games, and and it's it's about time the the engine makers realized it too, because the truth is they'll they'll make a ton of money off of this if 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 a bunch of successful indie games come out using their stuff 5% of the revenue. I mean, that's, that's perfect. And it's, it's people that would never use the engine. You know, it's, 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 it's the, it's the niche that unity was filling is now being filled by two other arguably better engines. Although we have no idea yet. Um, 
I, yeah. I would assume, though, <laughs> I would I would assume that Source Two and Unreal are going to be better than Unity uh, still, but Unity will probably still also be cheaper. But, Source uh, Two is the one that I'm most excited to actually see because we Unity Five is new, a new announcement, but Unreal Four has been. Uh oh, I, I I guess Bruce's internet went out. We might have to end the podcast early if he doesn't come back in very soon. Who knows what he was going to say about Source 2? Who knows what profound things he had to say that we'll never, we'll never hear? Um, I'll actually answer a question in chat real quick to see if, to see if Mike comes back. Um, someone asked, uh, would you say Kraken made Day Z become a huge success like it did after he streamed it? I, I will mention that, uh, Kraken, <laughs> right before Day Z really blew up, uh, I did a stream with Kraken and Boone, a couple of other people, and uh, we had we had a blast playing it. Oh, it looks like Mike might be might be back. We had a blast playing it, and and uh, we gained like a huge amount of viewers, like over five thousand, maybe even over six thousand, uh, streaming it that night. Just a bunch of people coming in who didn't know who we were, didn't know what Daisy was, and they just heard like, oh, there's this really cool thing going on, and uh, and then sure enough, like in the next week we saw it explode. Uh, but no, I don't think that he was the cause of it. He credits himself as being the cause of it, but I disagree because um, the Shack Tack actually did a series of videos that was f- very popular as well on YouTube. And I think in general, they're, they're more popularly credited with, with its, I think, I think we helped give it a boost, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, uh, that we were the largest uh, cause of that boost, but it, that that's that was probably my uh, favorite uh, stream I've ever done, favorite game experience I've ever had. Actually, Hello? are you back, Mike? I am. I don't know what happened. But... I was telling stories while you were gone. Um, are you back in YouTube and um, hang out? I see your I seem, name. I seem to be. Uh, people here. Uh oh. Uh oh. Your microphones. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, that should be better. You left the hangout. Yeah, now I don't know what back. happened. I just suddenly okay. lost um, internet connection. But I mean, it's not like there was that much more to go over. No, it like things were winding down anyway. Yep. Um. Yeah, this is probably a good time to to uh, euthanize the stream, and you're gonna probably have to use in the audio recording your version because my mumble recording stopped when I lost my connection. Rip. Um. Yeah, but it, it's not going to be deal. So, if there's no other questions from the chat... Actually, one person did ask um, if any of us had done graphic design classes. I haven't. Have you? Have no, you? I've never... I, I actually did kind of have a little bit of an interest in it, like, when I was, like, 16, maybe. Like, probably everyone else did when they were 16, if they worked on computers a lot. And then I took a class on it, and I was like, this, this is... No. No way. Um, yeah, like it's not something I do like seriously or anything. But and it's a know. it is a market. It is a high demand job right now. But there's a lot of graphic designers uh, growing up right now. So I, I I don't know if it would be the best job to get into at this point. I, you can make a lot of money doing it though. I know that much. Yeah, some basic competence with Photoshop, and that's basically all i had like no actual graphic design skills yeah like the only thing i've i've 
try to take seriously is like editing technique, but that's a different issue than graphic design. Yep. And somebody asked our opinion on Star Citizen. We've talked a lot about Star Citizen in the past. Yeah, I don't know um, how much more there is to say about it, but I have seen two people ask about it. We, we've talked about it a lot before, but basically Star Citizen, why are people giving money to that? Nobody knows, and someone should write an article about it. Someone should interview one of the largest, one of the people who's given the most yeah. money to that game and see what if the mentality anything, behind it is, because it's fascinating. If anything needs that like Peter Molyneux abusive interview treatment, it's, it's Star Citizen. Like, how the hell do you plan to deliver no way it's it it cannot it literally cannot there's good here's the thing people are going to delude themselves into thinking it's good and they're going to play the shit out of it because they spent money on it and they're probably going to argue it argue that it's good to their last breath and maybe it'll be okay but not what is it like 60 million now (laughs) not not that good yeah that's uh it's just not gonna fucking happen there's no way yep all right, so that's it for this week for the podcast proper. In a few minutes, we're going to be moving on over to hitbox.tv slash Sigmatic. Don't forget to the for the after show. But that's it for the um, video portion of our show. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you come back next week. We love you guys. Thanks for watching. I'm Talking Powder. I'm Skippy. See ya. Good night.